Marketing today is way different than it used to be. Consumers are smarter and better informed, and the same old push marketing is just not going to cut it. Today we have to be present in the conversation with our market, curious about what they want, and generous with the information we share with the world. This is the Mindful Social Podcast, and I'm your host, Janet Fouts. Good morning, everybody. I'm here with Frank Strong. Frank and I have known each other for quite a long time, and he was a frequent guest on the Friday Hangout. And I really appreciated a post that Frank wrote recently about how employees are the secret sauce to content. And so, Frank, why don't you give us a little bit of background on what you're doing and where you're working and how this all relates to you? Yeah, so I am a uh, public relations professional with, uh, as you know, a keen interest in content marketing. I think that's sort of the future, and I think uh, PR and content marketing go hand in hand. I work for a big company. Um, that company happens to be LexisNexis. I represent one division within that company. Um, and uh, so it's been an interesting process in terms of how we uh, develop uh, content across a, really a, a large global organization. And uh, I've, I've come to the conclusion, as, as you sort of stated in the opening, that the, the key to that is employees. Okay, so let's elaborate on what you mean by that. Do you mean by employees creating content or sharing content? How does that work? So it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think marketing and PR tend to think, and in, in, in general, tend to think about the content creation process, right? There's... I mean, any kind of search on content marketing produces, how do you create great content, create useful content, create compelling, essential, pick your adjective, you know, 10 tips, nine tips. But folks don't always think about the distribution side. And what I have found um, through trial and error, and it's really important to point out that it's uh, really been two years in, in the making, is that I'm getting a solid foothold by focusing on distribution and seeing the rest fall into place. Mm. And do you put processes into place so that employees know how to distribute the content and what they should and shouldn't be saying? We're getting there. Uh, I'm a little hesitant to talk too much about process because I don't want to have the, you know, the, the rigor, um, particularly in, in my organization, large companies are known to have very, very rigid rules. Mm. Very and true. so we want, we want to have some flexibility in there. So really, we want to give people left and right limits and then let them have at it. I mean, um, you know, if, if a company can't trust its employees, who else can it trust? So, yes, you need to have training. Yes, you want to make sure that, that people aren't out there doing silly things. And inevitably, somebody will. There's a, you know, a new crisis every day about that. But I think it, it builds on, you know, trusting your employees, giving them the right tools and the direction and letting them go from there. Mm -hmm. Well, and doesn't it tie into some of the passion that the employees have for the company? I mean, when I do consulting like this, I find that I'll go into a company and you can always identify a few people who are really evangelists for the company. They believe in the product. They believe in the brand. They love their jobs. They're excited about it. And they want to share it. And sometimes they just don't have the tools to share all of the current messaging. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, on top of that, you have the corporate brand police that step in and say, why are you talking in public? Right. So it just shuts people down. Why do you want to squash that enthusiasm? I think there's probably one um, 
critical point where it really sort of dawned on me. It must have been, you know, five or six years ago. I was at a conference for PR News, and there was a guy on stage. I, sorry, I cannot remember who it was, but he was a crisis um, PR expert, and he was talking about how to respond in a crisis. And one of his things was like, you turn to your employees. If you can't turn to your employees, who else can you turn to in a time of need? And so that's really what has, uh, in many ways, started shaping my my views and, and in effect, what I've been doing uh, on a day-to-day basis for the last couple of years. So how do you deal with the naysayers and particularly the legal team who often, you know, will say everything has to be approved before you can share it. So how do you deal with that CXO level and the legal team to be comfortable with this? Well, I think, um, you know, first of the legal team, it's really important to have a relationship. And I think uh, marketing and particularly PR people will find that they have an awful lot in common with uh, the legal team. Um, We are the folks on both sides that get tossed over whatever anybody else doesn't know how to solve, right? Mm -hmm. Don't know how to solve it, get an inquiry, don't know how to solve it, send it to PR. Get an inquiry, don't know how to solve it, send it to legal. They'll figure it out. So there's a lot of common denominators. And I think if you understand what the legal team is trying to do, which is to protect risk, right? They're worried about risk. You can work with them and, and, and get around that. So I don't see um, legal as an obstacle. I think it's just a matter of, of working with them, building a, a working relationship. Mm-hmm. With, with executives, I think that's a huge challenge. Um, and for me, what I have found is um, finding an executive sponsor. And I want to qualify what I mean by executive sponsor. I don't mean somebody that's going to get on Twitter, your CEO on Twitter, or start writing blog posts for you because it's not going to happen. What's important is, is your boss or someone on the executive team that clears your path, removes the obstacles, and allows you to do what you need to do to get this content marketing piece off the ground and mm-hmm. then grow it from there. Um, and when you can do that and you can start to show data, um, folks start to get on board and you, you start winning them over one at a time and mm-hmm. then you build on it. So you really need that one person who's going to advocate for, yes, this is going to work. Even if they're not going to produce content themselves, they're really supporting the effort. And then that kind of takes the pressure off everybody else to be able to play and not feel like, you know, they're really going to get in trouble. I, yeah, I think that's right. Um, and it doesn't have to be somebody that believes in it wholeheartedly. Um, I think that's, that's one of the things you alluded to. But it's somebody saying, <laughs> hey, let's <laughs> – no, but it means somebody that's open to experimentation. Right. Right? Let's try new things. Let's have an open mind. Um, mm-hmm. Is what we're working works? Maybe. Is what we're working um, – let's not change it. But, you know, maybe there's some ideas that we can add that will – grow us further. And I think you find a lot of interest among executives. Everybody in the business wants to sell more stuff, products or services. Um, and here's, here's a path to doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about maybe some obstacles that you've encountered and overcome along this road? Yeah. So this, and this is um, really this stuff that I want to talk to you. I think the biggest challenge I faced is how do you get people involved, right? Um, I think the post that you alluded to earlier was talking about scale. Everybody wants to scale. And a lot of the focus is on technology, right? You know, bots that can write. There's all kinds of tools that can aggregate it. But I think for really passionate uh, information about your company, as you as you mentioned earlier, it comes from your employees. So employees are the key to scale. And mm-hmm. what I found is um, in, in, in two years of trial and error, uh, 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 trial and um, error, trial and error um, <laughs> you know, failure, redoubling efforts, and keeping after it, I found that distribution is the way to go. And the way that I've been able to do that is by 
you know, building out some statistics, um, you know, making a case bit by bit and getting people on there. So, for example, when I started, you know, I was a lone wolf, right? Nobody else really wanted to play. Um, we got going, and then bit by bit, I would um, show some data to, like, some of the marketing managers, the folks with the money, right, the budgets. And mm-hmm. bit by bit, they'd start to get on board. And so over the course of a couple of years, it evolved from, hey, you know, give me a little budget. Let me produce this piece of content or let's focus on this research. We can do a lot with that too. Hey, I've got this budget. What can you do with it? Right. So it's a complete role reversal there. Mm. And, that, and, and, and the, the outlets began to grow. The data began to grow. And pretty soon we'd get a head nod from one or two third party sources saying, hey, look at what this company's doing. This is kind of interesting. Um, well, guess who notices that? The executive team notices that. Sure. And w- when they start getting on board, the rest of the employees start getting on board. Mm-hmm. And so that's happened for us recently in the last three months or so. We've gotten quite a few head nods from third-party sources. Um, it's made a little buzz internally. Um, and I've been able to use that and, as leverage to go out to some of the team leaders, particularly on the sales side, and say, hey, listen, here's why this is important. And I'll go through it. You know, they've invited me to a couple of their team calls, and I'll make a pitch, and I'll use stats probably that you're familiar with, like Forrester says that people are anywhere from two thirds to 90% through their buyer's journey um, before they make a purchase, right? Uh, there's a, a, um, a survey by the corporate executive board that found um, the top sales performers, a survey of just top sales performers, that social is a top channel for those folks by 12%. The other top channels were, you know, I own, I own, uh, sales and direct marketing, right? The, the development lead generation myself. And that was only 10%. So mm. a pretty significant um, plug for um, uh, social channels. There's the, the kite, um, was it kite desk did a survey recently, got a lot of coverage in Fords where it said 74% of salespeople who beat their 2014 quota by 10% or more said their social media savvy was highly skilled or better than most. And they were six times more likely to exceed peers with only rudimentary skills. So when you wow. walk into a, a team meeting with, with salespeople about this, you know, that starts to get their attention and you build the case, look, it's good for you, right? You, you need to have a persona, you've got a network and it's good for the company. And then you start to weave it into the, the, the broader context of here's how you build trust. Here's how you get people engaged. Here's how inbound works. Uh, and you move from there. I could tell you one of the, one of my favorite stats is one from personal experience. It was from a previous company um, where we could definitively say people who engaged our content were fifty percent more likely to make a purchase. Wow, that's that's that's, that's a fact. Hmm. And it and it is, and it starts to get these folks on board. Um, and okay. so, wait, sorry, please finish. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I've been bad. Well, no, because well, I'm going to say off when on you, a segue, you, so finish. <laughs> When, when you get the sales team interested in this sort of stuff, in the distribution, like, hey, I should be sharing content and here's how I can do it, suddenly other good things start to happen. People start to come to you and say, hey, how do I get involved? I'd like to write a post. Or, hey, here's an idea. And I'll be like, great, let's do an interview. Let's talk to you. I had a, a senior sales leader from a team come to me the other day say, hey, I want to write a monthly column. I'd like to write it for this publication. I'm like, fantastic. Let's set up a call. Let's do a brainstorm and get you a list of ideas. Mm-hmm. Those are the sorts of things that weren't happening two years ago, and they're happening now uh, because of the path that we've taken. That's really exciting. I should say the path we've stumbled upon. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, so 
let's talk a little bit about that then, because, you know, when you say that that percentage of salespeople say that they're more experienced with social media than ever before, and you start to hear people say, you know, this is really having results. When you look back over those people and you look at those results, are they coming from developing thought leadership? Is it being generous with content? Are they sharing just statistics? What kind of content can an employee at let's let's st- stick with sales for now really be using to build their authority and you know get a following and be really good at social and get those people in the door? I have found it is just the opposite. It's not that marketing or PR needs to go out and build. Uh, or help a salesperson build audiences. A lot of these folks, particularly in my industry, they've been in the industry for 10 Mm -hmm. or 15 years. They have tons of contacts. They have really good networks. I have discovered so many what I would call hidden influencers because it wasn't really apparent to me where I can track through analytics. They might share one specific post and 30 people click on it, Mm -hmm. right? And then I can follow that through and see who downloads a white paper. So these sorts of sorts of things have become uh, apparent to me and it sort of flips the uh, paradigm on its head. Um, in, in that case, that one uh, salesperson that, that, that um, can share a piece of content, get 30 people to click on it, uh, is also starting to write um, posts because she's been around here so long. She's helped customers through implementations um, as an account manager. She has a breadth and depth of knowledge that is far deep I would be, ever be able to produce, right? She's encountered problems. She's encountered the same problems 10 times over. She can bang out a post about the five most frequently asked questions um, you know, in, in the matter of 30 minutes. Um, so it, it's really fantastic. Yeah. And that's just the domain expertise of that one person, right? So when you look at a larger corporation and you've got a lot of people with expertise in different areas, you know, if, if you're not dealing with necessarily a, um, a company like yours, but maybe a technology firm that's, you know, building, maybe it's Cisco letting, engineers get into the game and even if you know they don't feel like they can create the content finding ways as you said before to interview them or other ways to get that knowledge from them and then get it into the stream and get people sharing it yeah so i'm a big believer in uh you know i think it's the cmi model the institute model of, of attract convert retain right and segmenting content along those lines and then segmenting it for audience say at a simple level uh, an executive a mid-level manager and then someone that's entry level and I think it's a recognition when you start mapping that out and developing an editorial counter that marketing can't produce all of that and the folks that have the knowledge are support who answer all kinds of customer questions it's the professional services people that know how to customize um, projects and technology for customers they've done it a million times um, the, the the engineers in terms of you know, how, how do you develop a product, right? Giving people a look um, behind the glimpse. So I think all of that is very important and it plugs into a different spot on a matrix along that um, attract, um, convert, retain. The, the second thing I'd say is everybody is good at doing something. Now they may not be able to write a contributed column, but your finance folks, they're pretty whiz bang with an Excel spreadsheet and they're pretty good at developing those spreadsheets and turning them into charts that are useful in PowerPoint, which can easily be adopted for SlideShare. Of course, you want to take out any sensitive data. Um, and, and the same is true across any number of functions. It's a matter of, of tapping into those folks and allowing them to use their skills. And we think of content, it doesn't have to be text. 
It could be a Google Hangout like you're doing now or a video interview. There's a number of ways to elicit that information from the subject matter experts you have in different categories. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, um, well, everybody has their favorite way of communicating. Some people don't want to be in front of a video camera. Some don't feel like they can write, but maybe they want to do a podcast. And right. all of those different types of content flavors are adding value to the overall message. Yeah, I so agree. how do you then empower employees to be part of that distribution channel? And do you do that by, you know, creating content and then sharing it with appropriate people and asking them or how does, how does that work? Yeah. So we um, are using a specific tool right now um, that I have grown very fond of. It's called people links. Um, people links. They, yeah, people links, P, people as in people, and linx.com. Um, and there's a number of other tools like it that are out Company, It's a young company. They've started in a, in a couple different ways, and mm -hmm. they, they're really moving into this social selling space. What I see it as is a link between internal and external communication. So um, the problem for uh, a lot of companies, particularly uh, the one I work for, is we have a lot of digital content. We have so many on so many different sites, it's hard to find. Where do you go to find all that? I worked for you know, a $30 million startup. Um, being, um, I, had, I would have sales. I didn't see that. Where is that? So what PeopleLinks is, is a single source of information where we can load content. Um, they can peruse it online if they wish, make it part of their process. Maybe they spend 15 minutes in the morning or afternoon. Or a couple times a week. It doesn't have to be uh, intrusive. They all have got busy schedules. Mm -hmm. um, and it will also send an email out to um, folks once a day with all of the, the recent content. And it, you know that could be any a matter of them logging into this platform every day, perusing what's going on in the organization, and choosing what they want to share um, with their networks, what meets their networks. Mm -hmm. And what's what's especially beneficial about this is if you're in you know the small business segment and there's content in there from large law, there's an education value and that they have awareness of what's going on in other businesses and looking for synergies merely by logging and looking at this website. Maybe they don't want to share that information um, and that's fine. Uh, hopefully next week we'll get something that works for them. Um, mm -hmm. But it at least keeps them informed. Of course, there's analytics and metrics that go along with it. Um, so that's really the route that we're going. That's getting people excited about um, sharing content. I can write status updates for them. They can choose to use it or not. They can use their, they can write their own if they wish. Um, so there's a lot of flexibility uh, on how they want to do it, but that's getting people excited. It's producing data. And uh, like I said, that leads to things like other folks asking, Hey, how do I get involved? As opposed to in, the, in years prior, months prior, I would go out to someone and be like, Hey, you got to help us with content, you know, help us with content. You're, you know, you're really smart. People are like, I'll Oh, God, you something. I got so much. <laughs> yeah. I got so much to do. I don't want anything in with it. So this mm -hmm. is kind of coming at things from a very different way. And they're like, wow, mm. this distribution thing works. And you know, I'm really, I'm really getting some success here. I'm, I'm helping, I'm helping out the business. I'm helping out myself. Hey, you know, is there a way for me to get more involved? Well, well, I'm glad you asked. Let me show you how. <laughs> but you should ask that. <laughs> well, that, that's really awesome because that's always been the barrier, right? Is that people say, I don't have time. I'm already doing a full-time job. I don't want to dig through all this stuff. And, you know, even sending emails or creating intranets where people had to go and look, I think the easier you can make it for them, 
the easier it's going to be for them to participate and, and be part of the process and then also feel like they're part of the success because they can actually see it happening. Um, the statistics, right. the analytics are really, really nice. I'm going to have to take a look at that. So what do you do with the analytics? Is that something that you let everybody know about? Or does it just... Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 that's a key point. So definitely very transparent with the analytics. Um, uh, I, you know, I share those with sales leaders uh, once a month, usually by email. I'll do a monthly recap of all of the things that are going on, and that will include analytics from this particular platform, analytics from Google Analytics, right? And we're beginning to get to a point where we have Eloqua implemented. Um, we're... we're trying to bring some folks on board to kind of help us out with some of our um, data analysis. Cause I mean, it's pretty heady stuff, mm -hmm. um, but be able to produce some data in from Eloqua that shows, Hey, here's how it is impacting the sales cycle, hoping to get to that statistic that I passed out earlier from uh, a previous employer. I know it works. I know we're going to find stuff like that. I just need to help, you know, surface that information, but absolutely post that publicly. And then the other, the other key point is as, some of the leaders have gotten on board is taking a moment to recognize those people that contribute. So I'll make, mm -hmm. we have a monthly town hall. It's put on by the business unit leader. Um, I'll make uh, one slide uh, that lists all of the people that contributed. And so he'll go through that in the town hall and recognize those individuals that went above and beyond. Those are individuals outside of marketing that went above and beyond to help. And it could be anything, webinars, you know, contributed content, quotes, interviews, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Um, and then that also goes on to uh, an internal presentation. We've got these um, screens by the elevators in, in the office building. So that goes on there and it's just on a rotating display. Sometimes I'll put, you know, interesting nuggets on that. Mm -hmm. um, Celebrating yeah. is really important. I think that's something that's under underused a lot is, you know, when somebody really contributes to the success of the company, um, you know, they may get a pat on the back from their manager, but letting the whole company know, it's kind of a sort of a gamification in some ways because when people start to see other people being successful and being recognized for having participated, then they're obviously more likely to do that too. Who doesn't want to see their name up in lights? Uh, but I think, you know, celebrating the successes helps everybody understand that it is successful. You know, how many times a day do we run into people that say, you know, Google Plus is dying or Twitter's a waste of time or you can't get any reach on Facebook. And we're so inundated with that negative aspect that the positive aspect of, hey, yeah, this does work. And look who's making it work. It's the guy sitting next to you. That's really cool. Yep, that's right. Amen. <laughs> well, now we're done. We all go home. <laughs> so let's talk about training a little bit. Do you help people understand how to use the networks and best yep. practices? Yeah, a little bit. So uh, really in two ways, uh, not too formal now. There are other uh, folks in our business that do this for other divisions. Um, they've got really formal programs for uh, really social selling um, that they're mm -hmm. rolling out. Um, in my division, what I'm doing, I've, I've started, uh, there, we have an internal blog site, you know, kind of an internal communications platform. It's built on SharePoint, for example, for anybody that, that's interested. Um, it's just an internal blog and I've started a series designed for sales, mm -hmm. right? And it's a lot of how to stuff and it's, um, it's stuff that, you know, you probably read on a blog in 2008, right? But, um, you know, these are, they're new to it. It's new mm -hmm. for them. So you need to explain. So it's, it's, you know, it's an inherent 
certainly valuable. Um, I'm doing an awful lot of calls uh, with team team managers, and that's both to you know stoke the interest, to get folks involved, and it's a little bit of how to. And then for a lot of folks, particularly on a case by case basis, I'll do a one off mm-hmm. um, presentation. Then you know, and I'd add to that, there's another extension here that's interesting is that we have this whole ecosystem of certified partners for one part of our business. Right. And so I went to, we had a little conference for them and um, you know, the, the, the organizers decided they're going to you know give me a session. And I did a session on content marketing one-on-one for these guys. Like, look, here's why it's important for you. And what I'll do for you is a, if you're working on something, I'll help you out. If you want to kick around an idea, I'll help you with it. And B I'll push you out an email once a month with a whole bunch of resources, infographics, surveys, data, things that you can use in presentations to develop your own. And mm-hmm. so that is something that we've started in the last year and that's really uh, taken off. And what's interesting is like they're certified partners. So they're not part of our company per se, but they really are right. They're still, we're all on the same team. Um, so that's been a, um, a unique aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really empowering. And you, you know, I mean, okay, you're right. We probably did read that article in 2008 and those of us who worked in social media, in fact, I, somebody went to a thing for South by Southwest the other day and he said the one topic that everybody said, don't even bring it up for the panel picker was what, what brand did with social media for success. So amongst, you know, the people who are constantly working in this, it's already jumped the shark. People are like, you know, okay, I'm done. I don't want to hear social media one more time. But the problem is, is that 90% of America is still, learning. They're still understanding that this actually works and how to make it work. And that it's not just an annoyance that, you know, they do in the evenings when they got nothing else to do. So it really has changed and yet it hasn't. At least in my opinion. (laughs) I I agree with you. I think um, it's here where that age old book by uh, what's his name? Jeffrey Moore, you Mm -hmm. know, crossing the chasm is illustrative things happen a whole lot slower than we think they do. It takes off for the folks that are, you know, involved in this stuff, doing it day to day, but there's this huge gap between, you know, the, the early adopters and the early majority. And you've got to make that leap. And I think, you know, here it is 2015, but I really think we're just starting to make it now. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at terms like content, social selling is, you know, is a buzzword, you know, a few years ago, it was the challenger sales, which is really an approach. Um, to, to uh, this to um, sales, and so all these things are starting to starting to take off, and we're really just starting to get into that early majority. So it might be boring, but I think that you know if you're if you're in this sort of role in a company, you have almost a leadership responsibility. Oh, I think definitely you do because you know it's it's like you're sharing a lot of statistics, and not just you know here's the latest information in, within the industry. But here's how we're doing and here's what's being successful. Those kind of things are really vital for people to stay interested because, you know, everybody thinks that you start using social media and a week later you're successful at sales. And that's just not going to happen. It takes time to understand all the all the energies and to build your network. And even if, as you say, you know, a lot of people bring their own network to the party then maybe their network needs to be educated as well. So those things, those things take a certain amount of time and a certain amount of adaptation of the way that people do things. And it sounds like you're really, really getting to that now, which is really exciting. You know, I, as you were talking, I was thinking too, there's, it, 
it's not just data, but there's also anecdotal snippets. Um, and I'll give you two uh, quick examples. Um, we have a lot of rules in our company, um, and there is a lot of rules around um, email marketing specifically. And part of that is by virtue of the industry that we're in uh, and the company that we are and, and who we are, and they're all there for a very good reason. But uh, what happens sometimes is the part of a market segment that we literally cannot touch. You can't reach them. You can't send them an email. Um, and so fairly recently, we've been able to do um, some interviews with folks in that market that we were unable to touch. And then I can take that and go to a sales leader and say, look, this is a category that we cannot reach. Now they're starting to come to us and they're interested in, and they're coming to us because they're interested in what we have to say and they find value in the content that we're producing. Mm-hmm. And I can see elements of that anecdotally on social media. I'll, I'll, you know, I keep real close track of who's following us, um, who's engaged with us. And I'll just pull out a screenshot and send that in an email, right? One off isn't going to help. But when you do that over time, time and time again, meanwhile, you're building analytics, it really starts to sink in. Yeah, and I think that helps inform your content marketing plans, too. I mean, as you start to see who's responding and how they're responding and what they respond to, and that really takes a very present uh, mindset that you're really sticking with it. You're not just throwing out the content and, and hoping for the best. You're really looking to see who's responding to it in, in real time and also retroactively. You know, where did that go? How many times did that link get clicked? You know, with things like Bitly, for example, every once in a while I'll find a post all of a sudden has had a resurgence, and I can track it back to see where that got retweeted or reshared and then see what the progress of that was. And that's really huge information to really be more mindful about how you put your messaging out there and make sure that it's hitting the people that you want it to to hit and that they're actually feeling like they can respond to it. And I think that's a big thing, too, is that you've got to leave room for people to respond. Yep, that's a great point. I love your story about um, you know old content that takes off again because – you know, we're so so tuned to like saying, hey, I put this out, you know, why didn't it take off? And a lot of times that happens. So I think there's definitely uh, a science to content and looking at data and, you know, developing editorial content. But sometimes there's a little bit of an art. And I think that the, the story that you just told falls into that art side. So it's important to kind of keep that flexibility there um, into going after it. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you can attest. I can't tell you how many times I will write something and be like, I put my heart into it, and, you know, it's great content, and I publish it, and nobody pays attention, right? Crickets. And then sometimes I'll, I'll throw up this any old thing that I jammed out in five minutes, and it's taken off, and I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. You know, but, but usually you'll find that the stuff that you really poured your heart into, sometimes it happens like that. It'll take a little while, and someone else stumbles on it. It's like, wow, this is really good, right? And it resurges. <laughs> but I do often find that the things that, you know, you just kind of – Um, something makes you react and it makes you react really passionately and people respond to that passion. So, you know, those things that you just kind of blurt out, they aren't really thoughtless. They're really very thoughtful and it's really focused on that one thing. And sometimes they're a lot more focused than the ones you think about. I know for myself, sometimes I'll, I'll create a post and I'll end up spending hours researching it. And there's so many data points in it that they're very hard to digest. So then I have to, chunk those up and 
take one little bit and put it out to Twitter and LinkedIn and Google Plus and Facebook and, and find out what people are responding to to get them to the post because there's so much there that it's a little overwhelming and that's not always good. Yeah. And sometimes there's an opportunity to repurpose that, right? You got mm-hmm. you know, I mean, anytime you ever publish anything, you're, you go back and look at it and think, God, I could have done that 20 times better. Well, do that. If you did a post, you put a lot of work into it or a white paper or a contributor, whatever it is, and it didn't really take off the way that you thought, take a, take a look at it in three months and try it again. And sometimes you can have um, better success with it. Mm-hmm. And maybe times have changed where people are a little more interested in that particular topic or they know more about that particular topic, you know, like social sales is a buzzword now, but gosh, you know, okay, go back in the history of sales forever. And it's always been social. It's always been, I know what you like. I know what you want. You know, I've got something that I think is really going to make your life better. And I really care about whether it does make your life better. Then I'm going to buy something. But you know, if you're just like, Hey, buy that's just it's not gonna work and I think that's something that all salespeople need to learn about social that it's really about the relationships the networks the engagement much more than it is a direct sales tool Uh, particularly I want to go on record LinkedIn is not a direct sales channel that's not what it is finding all the people that you know are in your network Um, or adding new people to your network and not even buying them a drink first before you want them to buy something from you is just a bad idea. And I'm seeing it more and more and more lately. So I have to rant. You know, I had, yeah, it's a good rant. And um, I mean, it's it's core to the point of what what we're trying to do here with this whole content marketing approach. Um. I've got to think when I saw those statistics that like that kite desk survey, it's 74% of salespeople uh, that beat their quota, um, you know, were highly skilled at social media. I've got to think to myself before social media ever took off and people started adopting it. Those are the same salespeople that were taking good content and emailing it to customers with a very, Mm -hmm. you know, non, non um, salesy way, just a touch. Hey, here's something that I thought would help you out. Let me know if you want me to follow up. I've got to think that's true, right? So those are the people that kind of grew up with those skills. And, you know, before email, it was a phone call, right? Hey, how can I help you today? What, what problems are you working on? As opposed to um, the, the, the number of calls that we get yeah. today. And I, you, you get them every day and like, it's a, it's a sales pitch. And you're like, well, what connection do I have to you? You know, and well, we just want to talk mm-hmm. to you and show you this stuff. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a busy guy. Got it. Yeah, and, and I, I totally agree that just being really generous with your information and saying, hey, this has nothing to do with the product that I'm selling, but I think it'll be useful to you, and it might make your day go a little bit better. It might make it easier for you to accomplish what you need to accomplish today. Just giving them that without any strings attached creates that relationship, builds that relationship, and makes them much more likely to pick up the phone when you, when you call them next time. But, you know, if you're just pushing marketing now, you're going to fail. You're going to fail bad, in my opinion. So Yeah, I mean, I don't think that, I mean, I think, I still think that direct marketing is a very important side of business. I just think that they need to, it needs to be complementary, right? I mean, you need to be smarter about when and how we do those sorts of things. You know, and really looking at an ed- editorial calendar being like, 
when is it appropriate to to do a you know a hard sell or a push? I, I think there are times that that it is appropriate, and then there's other times when when it's not. And so you need to have a a balance. I think it's the companies that are in output only mode. You know, you get the emails, the the blast from them from the do not reply email address, and you know, I, I think those are the folks that are missing the boat. Yeah, I have to agree. Well, I really enjoy talking to you about this, and I think you know I will put a tweet out a link to this on um, on Twitter, obviously, and on the YouTube when this is recorded. I'll add uh, links to that Kitex. In um, was it an infographic or white paper? Uh, it was a survey that they did. Kitex. Okay. Yeah, I can yeah. send you a link if you'd like. Yeah, let's put that in the. We'll put it in the YouTube so that people can find it because I think that's really interesting. And honestly, I hadn't seen it so. You gave me great data today. <laughs> Happy to do it. Hey, thank. Why don't you tell having... people where they can find you and um, on Twitter and everywhere else? Yeah. So uh, probably the, the two best places to catch me are certainly on Twitter at Frank underscore Strong, um, and I do do a, a little blog. I post once a week. It's called Sword in the Script, um, and the web the URL is swordandthescript.com. Thanks a lot, Frank. It was a pleasure having you as always. Thanks for having me, Janet. It was great to see you again. Thanks for listening to Mindful Social. Tweet me your feedback or questions on Twitter, at jfouts. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spreaker, iTunes, or SoundCloud. 